Welcome to The Straight Cut. My name's Steve Garley. Hi, I'm Aaron Shuttleworth. And we are your hosts tonight. We are coming to you from the Members Lounge at West End Cigars. Episode number two. First one was a pilot. This one's going to be a full episode. We've got some exciting stuff going on tonight. Yeah, a little more in-depth and uh, peek behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be great. We are smoking the Julius Caesar this week. We touched a little bit on it last week. Um, We have just kind of got them going here. What do you think so far, Aaron? It's it's great. I love this cigar so much. I mean, everything about it. Um, this Now, I am smoking, we're smoking the Toro, uh, so it's not one that I normally smoke. I usually smoke the Robusto, uh, but everything about it, oily wrapper, um, just the feel of it, the band is sexy, just everything about this cigar just knocks, you know, everything on the list that I'm looking for. Yeah, it, this is one of my uh, top five that I smoke constantly. Um, it just has that look that, that draws my eye. Um, and it's something that, that I absolutely love. I, I, I probably smoke a dozen of these a month, um, roughly. So it's a great cigar. I haven't had one since, uh, the Ides of March. That was the last (laughs) time I had one. You know, I, I, I I definitely wanted one on March 15th just for, you know, Caesar's death day. And I was like, you know, there's no better cigar than, you know, than the Julius Caesar. Yeah. There you go. All right, well, we want to introduce you to our guest this week. Um, we are super excited to have this guy here. Um, he's one of our personal favorite. Um, our first guest, we wanted to make him our first guest because uh, he means so much to both of us. So, uh, Brandon McKinney, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Glad to be here with you all. All right. Get this thing kicked off. I know you guys have put in a ton of work, and I'm excited. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to get right into it. We're going to start asking Brandon some questions and... Uh, Hopefully you guys can get to know him if you don't. So, Brandon, what did you do uh, before you were in into the cigar industry? Well, before I started in the cigar industry, I was uh, in the police department for about nine years. So I worked on the streets as a patrolman for nine years and then went to CID and uh, did financial crimes for about six years almost. And one day decided that I wanted to switch professions because that really wasn't fulfilling to me personally and decided that I wanted to start up a cigar shop you know for men to build relationships with other men and here we are you know almost five years later and now we're in a room talking about it (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it's been uh it's been a really fun learning experience for all of us I think um so uh Brennan Brennan opened the shop by himself originally and then um I came on what about a month a month into it or so I think it was about three weeks, two months after our grand opening or so towards the end of the year. We, oh, I moved here, uh, and you know, started doing build out in July, uh, July 25th. And then we didn't open up till like October 10th, I think was our, uh, first day open. Yeah. And then I came on in November. November. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Like almost the so very like first month. of November. Yeah. So yeah. A month then, later. Uh, Aaron, how long you been here now? Just past three years. Uh, April 10th was three years for me, but I <clears throat> I started coming here, uh, let's see, we opened October of 15? 14. Of 14. Uh, so I started coming here in February of in the following year. 2015. So, yeah, 2015. 15, yeah. yeah. And then I started working here in the uh, April 16th. It's crazy to think about, like, now. I know. And five Less than five years ago, like we didn't know each other. Yeah, yeah. and I was Did just. You guys I mean, know I, each other? No, no, because I just started. I mean, I'm starting meeting him on Sundays because you work yeah. Sundays, right. and yeah, you know that's how and we were never going to be open on Sunday. Yeah, when originally I started. Yeah, but we. I wanted to be open more so Steve could have the hours, and he wanted to work, or he didn't mind working it either way. So uh, now I work. So we open on Sundays, and you started coming in on Sundays, <laughs> and now here you are. Yeah, you know? and the first time I met Steve, he didn't like me. And he, he doesn't say this, but, like, you know, I can kind of – I was, like, the new guy coming in opening up a cigar yeah. shop. Yeah, And he's, you know, at another cigar shop that's doing really well and really cool. And, you know, I don't know what you're thinking exactly, but it's not like, oh, this guy's going to, you know, like, we're going to end up having a relationship together. It was like, oh, who you know, who knows or, you know, whatever. And I never really thought much about that first meeting, but I remember it, you know, when I went into to Maduro and hung out and he was there. Well, you got to think, like you said, you know, I was working at another shop at the time and, um, you know, you're, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. You were the new guy in town. 
um, trying to open up a shop. And at that point, it, you know, stealing some of our customers was, was the worry. Um, but come to find out that that shop was eventually going to close anyways. And I didn't know that at the time, but right. So it all worked out perfectly, you know, and that's where, and I didn't dislike you. No, no, no. That's why I said <laughs> it's not. Like, I was just the new guy coming. Yeah, in. yeah. So right. it's like that awkward. Hey, how you doing? You know. Yeah. Like, but I, I, I loved you know Maduro. I thought it was a great place. Yeah. Sometimes I, you know, couldn't get a seat. You know, but <laughs> I mean that's because business was good. You know, but this place was always meant to be different. Yeah. I never thought that Maduro would close, and I never thought that Steve would come work, and I never thought that I'd hire anybody for a year. That was the plan that for one year I would work it by myself because I couldn't afford it. And even when Steve came on, I, I didn't pay myself for six months, but I was paying Steve because I was like, oh, I've got to have Steve. Like this is somebody that has more cigar experience than me, you know? And I was starting to shop. I got to have this guy here. Uh, things Steve haven't heard a lot. I need, I, I got to have Steve. Oh, yeah. come yeah. on. Oh, yeah. let's, let's boost his, let's boost his ego up a little bit. But yeah, my headphones are getting a little tight, guys. I always yeah. thought that Maduro would stay open, and you know there was another shop in town that would stay open, and like we were in the middle of those two places. You know, I, that was always what I thought it should be like. And then, of course, when Maduro uh, left, and Steve ended up coming working for us on a part-time basis, and then full-time later, and then all of those relationships, all those customers looking for a place to go, it was just really a blessing, really perfect timing that helped kind of speed us up in that process, which who knows how long that would have taken if y'all would have kept rocking and rolling downtown, you know? And it's like, and I kind of fell into the shop by accident just as a customer because I took a sabbatical from cigars for a long time. And then I just happened to be at my favorite pub downtown. I was like, I want a cigar. Let's see what's around and Google it up and see this place. I was like, all right, cool. Let me go check it out. So you're just randomly like, oh, I want a cigar. Yeah. I was like, yeah, because I hadn't smoked for probably three years. And I was like, I just want a cigar. I Let's figured see. somebody like invited, you know, but no. I, I read your post, you know, and I, I realized you came in and yeah. some of the guys said, no, hang out, you know. No, yeah. I just, I just strolled in and, you know, some of the regulars are already here and wanted me to hang out. And I think, I don't even know if you were working at that time. I mean, it, uh, it was probably Marcus. Um, no, I think I think no, I think you, yeah, you were there. You know, you were working, but I think I think Brandon is the one that checked me out first because I remember what I bought. I bought an acid blondie. Oh, that gosh. was the first thing oh, I, I bought. Remember that. I was like, this guy. <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they all say. <laughs> well, um, what what made you want to open a cigar shop? I like smoking cigars a lot. Is like the basic <laughs> answer, you know. Like, and, and if you know me, you know that I like smoking cigars. So, so on to touch on that, what what number of cigar are you on for today? I don't keep track. I don't keep track of how many. Well, cigars I this smoke. is a different kind of day too. Yeah. With you know being you went fishing and yeah, it, you I know mean, kind of a guy's. I'm trip, on so. I'm on number six. You're on. This is two for me. I haven't been smoking. I've been doing. I've been mowing my lawn. Yeah. So, so I've I've been here working all day. So I've had cigars. You've probably like six. Okay. Um. So, you know. Here I am working at the police department, doing a job that a lot of people think is worthwhile and great. A lot of people think it's not, you know. So either way, I was doing a job and raising a family, and uh, police officers don't make any money. And so I had a lawn business on the side. I was doing landscaping. So I was working four days at the police department. We worked four 10-hour shifts. They gave me two days off that I could work, and then I had Sundays off, you know. Of course, I'm always on call uh, because I'm a detective, and so – once, you know, one week a month, you're on call. So I was a financial crimes detective, mainly worked forgeries, embezzlements, anything that had to do with finances. But if I'm on call and a major crime happens, a murder or a shooting or robbery or whatever, then that would become my case, you know, so I would be the one working that. So you're on call, you know, 24-7 for a week out of every month. And so then I'd have to go do landscaping for two days and working a lot to try to raise a family and it's tough to raise a family of four like that, you know? So I just didn't feel fulfilled doing that. I didn't feel like my, my life mattered, you know, in the big scheme of things, I tried to do a good job and I wanted to do a good job and I feel like I helped a lot of people, but it wasn't what I was created to do. And some of my best friends that worked there, like they're amazing and they do an amazing job and they love it and they were made for that, but I wasn't, you know? 
And so just tried to figure out, hey, what I want to do with my life. And I just kept coming back to cigars is the easiest way to put it. I kept thinking it was crazy and everybody kept telling me it was silly. You know, it's like me saying I wanted to go open up an ice cream shop, you know, because I like ice cream. You know, <laughs> like that's essentially what it was. Hopefully I can find enough other people that like ice cream too, <laughs> you know. You know, I grew up two hours away from here, so I didn't know but one person when I moved here, really. And so it was kind of really a, just big, a big leap of faith, but I just really felt like is what I was supposed to do with my life. And because I, I wanted it to be a community. I wanted it to be a, a positive place for men to build relationships with other men. It's kind of the tagline that I've just used over the years. But that's really what I wanted in my life, and I wanted other men to have too. And I didn't know what that looked like. I just knew that I wanted a place where guys could come hang out, and I'd seen it happen so much where relationships are built over a cigar. You know, lives are changed over a cigar. People going through tough times are encouraged over a cigar. People are celebrated over a cigar when they get married or have a kid. All, all these great things over a cigar, like, I just thought it was awesome. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted that to, uh, you know, be kind of the focal point of this place and that it would be a big family. And so we started up a cigar shop. And so that's why we have kind of the lounge scene is because it wasn't just about selling cigars. It was about hanging out, you know. It would have been nice if we had a bigger humidor or had more space for stuff, but the relationship aspect of it was the most important aspect of it to me. And so that's that was the whole goal starting out. And, of course, I had to convince my wife to let me do that, which she wasn't on board with at first, you know, understandably. But when she saw, like, my passion for what I wanted it to be, what woman doesn't want their guy to, like, be excited and fulfilled about going to work and doing something, you know? And when she saw how excited I was and how passionate I was about it, she said, let's do it, you know, whatever, I'll move, we'll do it. And she just followed me, you know, like it was just great. She knew we weren't going to have any money. She didn't care. And that's love. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we moved our two kids away from her family, away from my family, two hours, you know, which isn't terrible, but it makes date nights a lot harder when you don't have family uh, or anybody close. So. That's kind of how it came into existence. Yeah, and it's not like you just stopped working in the forest, just opened up shopping. You actually, you, you stopped working in the forest, opened a shop, you know, halfway across the state. Yeah. So it was definitely a bigger, a bigger jump than just doing a new adventure, you know, just down the street. My wife wasn't very fond of it when I started working in cigar shops either. Um, that was a big, kind of, I don't want to say fight, but a big uh, disagreement. You know, she felt like I just wanted to work here because I play just wanted day. to yeah, sit around and smoke cigars. Um, that was before West End. Um, so, but yeah, my wife now um, has fully embraced it because of, you know, what you've built here um, and how we interact with guys. And, and I mean, it really does make a difference in people's lives. I had a lady come in last week um, that was telling me um, that she would come in and buy a box every three to four months and send them to her dad um, who lived in another state and and he absolutely loved getting his shipment in when when she would go surprise him with a box and um, he actually just passed two weeks before that and they had his funeral and um, she she just came in to say thank you you know because it meant so much to him and and she used to sit with him when she would go visit and he'd have his box of cigars that she sent him and and so it just creates this uh, connection um, to all kinds of people um, and, and relationships that you would never suspect would would you know m meld together, but it, it it just does. There's something special about cigars that does that. So, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, that's what's so great is that it brings everyone together, no matter who you are, what class. You know, it, it is no respecter of persons. You know, it it brings people closer together, and I didn't have that. I didn't have those guys that I was close to in my life. You know, I, I was going through life like most men by myself, trying to figure it out by myself, trying to make decisions, making mistakes by myself, not having anyone. And so now to have a group of hundreds of men who are close and who are living life together, like it's such a cool thing. You know, it's, it's morphed into even a bigger thing than I thought it would be, you know, which is really, really cool. Well, we've started to branch out with more uh, female customers as well, um, and there's actually kind of starting to become a more, uh, you know, a, 
uh, group of women in Little Rock that have kind of, you know, banded together. Um, so it, it's branched out even more now. Um, yeah. And, and it's getting bigger. So. And we all, all three of us travel and we see it at other shops oh, yeah. too. I mean, every shop that I go to, you know, it has that same camaraderie that you get any other shop, you know, just like if I'm somebody new that walks into a shop in Kansas city where I'm from, they're just going to, you know, embrace me and greet me in just like one of the regulars. And that's what, you know, the whole, you know, neighborhood cigar shop experience is. It's just, yeah. you know, bringing everybody in as one, because it doesn't matter what you do out there and here we're all smoking the same stuff more than yeah. I mean, in the it same doesn't matter if it's a $3 cigar or a hundred dollar yeah. cigar. Yeah, it's still, you're, you're it's still a cigar and you're still, you know, rubbing elbows with whoever and, it's all part of it, so yeah, you definitely uh, you did the job on you know bringing you know cigar community together. Yeah, and and I appreciate you guys saying that, but you guys know as much as I do that it, it it's not me, you know. And that's what is so cool about this place is, yeah, I started the place right by myself, but it was a month later that Steve came, and a few months more, you know, a few months later we started having other people, and so it's you guys absolutely that make this place what it is but then it's the customers the customers yeah make it that family when aaron walked in for the first time and somebody said hey won't you sit down and hang out like that happens all the time someone walks in here and now they're part of the family you know and that's what's been so surprising to me because like that outgoing personality and like never met a stranger everybody's my friend yeah that's not my personality and so it's it's hard for me to be on like that all the time when you're working from open to close and then having to do everything else afterwards. And it was really wearing me down, which luckily I didn't have to work it for a year by myself because who know what kind of state I would have been in. Um, but it wears me down because it's just not my natural personality. And so to have you guys that do a way better job with the customers than I could have ever done, like that has been a huge blessing, and I think that's what has just promoted. Then the customers are that same way, you yeah. know, because they come in here, and you guys are, you know, what's going on? How's the daughter, or how's your surgery, or you know, what's the deal with you know whatever's going on in these people's lives? Because you genuinely care and love them, and that's just what it's been about. You know, we're just loving them. That's what I've wanted it to be about. But then you guys come along, and you guys have that same feel, you know, and that gives me the ability to be like, okay, I don't have to be up here doing it all the time and it certainly has helped my family because when I was at the PD and when I started it you know the first year or so it was just it was really hard on my family and so now things are so much better because you guys do such a great job when it gives you time to do larger outlook for what the shop wants to do can be will be and you know leaves with Steve does the main day-to-day operations and you know the other three of us to fill in where it needs to so yeah let's talk a little bit about the cigar again uh brandon i know you've smoked a ton of these i'm in the same boat top five (laughs) i'm smoking them a lot this might be the only cigar that's in each of our top five top three probably uh we i think brandon and i have a couple that are the same but as far as all three of us yeah Yeah. probably so yeah the only other one steve and i share is the tatuaje kahonu yeah the 2012 Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the like I could easily say that this and that are my two favorite cigars. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard to say that's my favorite because I could lump three right. or four more in there. Um, but I love this cigar. I love that we're doing it for the first one because I've been smoking this cigar. I've loved this cigar. I've been down to the Dominican and seen where they make this cigar. Like it's really cool and it has such a great story and history and all that. Uh, I mean, just everything about it, too. The box. Yeah. Oh, a yes. leather-wrapped it looks purple awesome. velvet box. Yeah. I mean, it's just everything about it is just yeah. top-notch. So the blend on this, um, you've got an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Dominican binder, and then Caribbean and Central American filler. Um, so we were talking about this before we started recording, but, um, Brandon, you were talking about how um, they're they're kind of secretive about their blends there. Um, because it's, you know, they're, they, they're good at what they do. Yeah. It's their, it's their baby. They don't want to give yeah. them secrets. Yeah. Carlito is, is quite the character. And, and I know you guys may have seen or, or heard of him. And if you haven't, um, you know, if you're not familiar with him, he's a great guy. Yeah. 
but he is intense about making a spectacular product. <laughs> yeah. And he is not going to publish in Cigar Aficionado or, or Half Wheel or whatever the blend. He says a chef doesn't give away his recipes, you know, and I'm a chef. And, and that is exactly how he describes it. He's a chef. He's coming up with all these different courses, all these different you know, things that these masterpieces, if you will, that he's creating, he's not going to tell anyone about it. And so the descriptions are usually very vague on the cigars that they produce. And that I don't blame him, you know. Uh, yeah, not at all. But it is very interesting. He is, and, and there's a little bit, you know, there's probably a little bit of paranoia there too, that, that thinking that people are going to try to, because they have had such success. Yeah. And there's always someone there you know, looking to feed off of that. And, and he's certainly been through things like that. Um, especially with, with some of their other stuff with like the Opus X stuff that they make in that same factory at Chateau de la Fuente, you know, with all the counterfeiting and all the stuff that goes on, you have to imagine that Carlito is very secretive and everything is kept under lock and key because yeah. of all the, the fraud and the counterfeiting and the theft of the bands and of the tobacco and all that stuff that can go on. Uh, he's very secretive and very passionate about protecting what they have created, you know, and I don't blame him a bit. Well, one of the reasons I love this cigar so much is is the flavor that it puts off. So when we first lit it, it's, it's got a little spice to it, you know, uh, kind of wakes up your palate, um, kind of that espresso note. And then once you get past that, uh, I don't know, probably first half inch or so, it just smooths out and it's got just one of the best kind of leathery cocoa espresso little bit of cedar note to it that is just spectacular yeah i'm not a bit i don't like real woody cigars but this has just enough yeah where it's not overpowering the cocoa definitely comes through i don't like a lot of leather in a cigars too but this has yeah know, just the right amount and just the the wrapper is nice and oily yeah I mean, it's just it's this has got to be one of the prettiest cigars out there um you know between the, just the color wrapper the band you you can say sexiest. I mean that's oh, it's no, definitely it's, one of the sexiest. It's definitely yeah, it's the sexiest. The, the everything about it, it's just uh, it's top. Yeah. So it comes in a robusto, which is four and seven tenths by fifty two. Uh, the Toro, which is what we're smoking, which is a six by fifty two. Uh, the Hail Caesar, which is a six sixty. A Pyramid, um, which is a six and a half by fifty two, and then a Churchill, which is a seven and a half by fifty two. Um, so you can find these at a lot of shops. Um, and then it seems like last time we were at Casa Fuente in Vegas, they had some like smaller Corona sizes that were exclusive to them. I don't remember exactly what size that was. Yeah, it is a Corona. I didn't realize until we just looked uh, up at the sizes that was exclusive to them. Yeah. At the, maybe after I smoked them. At the Casa Fuente yeah. in Vegas? In Vegas, yeah. Good thing I'm going fun. there in a couple months. <laughs> That's right. But it was, yeah, the Corona is a fantastic, fantastic little flavor bomb. So. Yeah. So this cigar was in the Cigar Aficionado Top 25 um, in 2011 and 2014. Um, it was the Cigars and Spirits Cigar of the Year for 2017. Got a 93 in Cigar Insider, 94 in Cigar Journal, 92 in Cigar Snob, and a 93 in Smoke Magazine. So it's a pretty highly rated cigar. It's a cigar I think a lot of um, cigar smokers smoke at some point um, just because it's so well known and, and you know, everybody would, loves it. I would put this in... For my in like in my personal hall of fame of cigars, yeah, that's where I'd put it. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about um, what what's your favorite part of owning a shop? I mean, honestly, when you say that, you want to think of something you know poetic. Uh, the, the my favorite part of owning a shop is getting to smoke cigars and work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's my favorite part. Yeah, there's not many people that can say they Probably. get to smoke all day, but but really, like I've what brings me the most joy and happiness and fulfillment, which I think is the key to life. You know, it's, it's not about whether the shop makes a lot of money or whether I have nice stuff. It's, it's about the relationships and the positivity that comes out of this place. And when, when I, I walk in and, you know, somebody wants to chat about what's going on in their life or somebody tells me about something good that's going going on with them or, Hey, remember this problem that we were having? You know, this is how that worked out. Those things have been amazing to me in seeing, like, how this shop is being used in people's lives. And I think, wow, you know, I get to be a small part of that, you know. And that's why I feel so blessed is because this place is 
is blessed and it's touching people's lives. And I'm just thankful that I get to be a part of it. Um, let's talk a little bit too about um, some of your favorite cigars. I know you mentioned um, this one in the, the Tatawahe Cajonu 2012. Yeah, those. And that's the, the Sumatra blend for you, right? Yep, yep. The Sumatra yeah. Cajonu 2012 Tatawahe uh, is another one that I smoke all the time. The Julius Caesar that we're smoking today in the Toro size is the one that I smoke most often. I love this cigar. I think, you know, and I know we've talked about it a little bit. But to me, it's a cigar that I can smoke in the mornings a lot. It's not overbearing strength-wise or the flavor profile. I think it's complex. There's a ton going on in the cigar. And so it's a cigar that anybody can smoke. You know, it, people get sometimes a little afraid of smoking cigars that are stronger. But this cigar, while it's, it's not super strong, but it has a ton of flavor, but it's not really mild. So if you're a beginner and you want something with a ton of flavor, this is a great cigar. If you've been smoking for a while and you want something different or you want to move up from the, the ultra mild cigars that you've been smoking, uh, then this is it. I mean, most of the time we think of Dominican cigars, and I know that they say this is Dominican tobacco. There's probably some Nicaraguan tobacco in it just because of the robust flavor of it. Most of the time when you think of some of the, a lot of the popular Dominicans, they're real mild and they're savory and they're, they're great. This cigar has a lot more to it yeah, than some of the traditional. and. And the story behind it is great. I mean, this is a tribute. It's funny when they came out with this cigar, I thought it was, I was like, what is, why are we having a tribute to Julius <laughs> Caesar? You know, what is, and then they tell you the story that like, this is a tribute to the guy that started it all, you know? I'm yeah. like, man, what a great thing, you know? Uh, Julius Caesar Newman started this company and this was released to honor his 135th birthday. Uh, so just yep. keeping it in the family and making it special and the Fuente family and the Newman family have had this partnership or, or this team that they've had for years where they've been producing this amazing stuff. And like, it just goes to show you like what they're about. You know, they're about family. They're about, you know, they started small and they've worked up to be, and it's just so cool that they're going to do a tribute to him and make this amazing cigar uh, that's been highly rated in every publication that that's rated it. So it, it's an interesting story. Um, so he was born in 1875 um, in Hungary, and so they were coming to the United States in 1888, and they, when they were filling out his paperwork, um, they asked him for his middle name, and he didn't have a middle name, and so he didn't really know what to say, um, and so he kind of asked the, uh, the person that was doing his paperwork, you know, like, what should my middle name be? And the guy said, you know, do Caesar after, you know, the great Roman... Um, conqueror and you know um and then they misspelled it on accident and so it's not spelled the same but um that's the idea right and and he really embraced that you know being named after somebody like that was you know something really cool but anyways um one of one of our favorites and one that we sell a ton of so cigar was uh released in 2010 um and it was his 135th birthday and then uh, the 115th anniversary of the company so been around a long time yeah and you know, the, the, the J.C. Newman company, you know, has been in Tampa. And when they, they moved over with, with Fuente, and so because Fuente has got the great tobacco fields, the farms, all the manufacturing facilities uh, at Chateau de la Fuente in the Dominican Republic. And uh, J.C. Newman decided to partner up. They You know, and they make a great team because J.C. Newman does great yeah. with their distribution and their sales team and all of that when they combine together, it's just, it seems to be, and I think because they've been together so long, this is a testament to how well it has worked out. The two of them working together, producing some amazing cigars and you can go and visit all their facilities there in Tampa. And it's beautiful because yeah. this stuff started 115 years ago. And so it's just beautiful and it's kind of old school and, you know, Tampa is kind of becoming a mecca for cigars in the United States because so many people have left Cuba or these uh, Caribbean countries and and moved into the Tampa area. And so it's just so rich with cigar culture uh, that the Fuente and the Newman family are icons because of where they started and where they're at now. I mean, they're, they're huge. And that's what the, kind of they say they're the biggest of the small companies, you know, because yeah. they always want to keep that small company tradition and feel. So... Yeah, those two, to get back on track to the yeah, question. Yeah, two, two favorite cigars. Those two cigars I love. The Alec Bradley Prensado is another one that I love. The Oliva V. Milano 
It's one of my favorites. I, I smoke that a ton. And then, and I'm going with cigars that you can actively just get all the time. You know, I mean, it's easy to say, you know, the Padron 50th yeah. Humidor is my favorite cigar. But, you know, that's that's a limited thing. That It is great, but, you know, most people aren't smoking those on a regular basis. And if you guys aren't familiar with that, that's the cigar that uh, they passed out at the Super Bowl this past year uh, when, the, when New England won it. Uh, Robert Kraft opened up this humidor and passed out the cigars. That's the Padron 50th anniversary, and that cigar is phenomenal. Um, and guys were turning it down. It's like, oh, that's why I don't no like thanks. the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, there are some great cigars out there that you just don't have access to or some cigars that were released and they're done. Yeah. Uh, but I'll say, since I have to limit it to five, I'll say that the mm, I'll say the Perdomo uh, 12-year double-age vintage Connecticut is probably my fifth. Uh, I have moved away from a lot of the strong cigars. I mean, there was a time where, you know, LFDs and Christophs or some of the powerhouse cigars that, that, that would be in my top five. And it's just funny how, like, people's palates and their just what they want to experience changes over time. And I smoke a lot of milder, not, you know, not mild, because the Perdomo 12-year double-edged vintage isn't mild, but I smoke a lot of lighter Connecticut or lighter blends uh, with a Cabano and Sumatra rather than just the dark Maduros. I went through a stage of that, but now I, you know, those don't do it for me as much anymore. So there's, there's five that I really enjoy. Yeah. Aaron, let's, let's, uh, let's hear yours. Uh, all right. I'm going to go the uh, Padron 64 uh, Principe. I like smaller cigars. Yeah. So that one, I love that one. Um, the uh, Viaje Dark Meat. I love boutique cigars, and that, that dark meat is just is just spectacular. I love that one, along with the uh, the skull, skull and bone. Yeah. You know, whenever I travel, and I can find those hidden in the dark corner of the humidor, <laughs> I always take a handful of those. Um, the Punch Rare Corojo, um, I have a soft spot for Punch. That was my first true, real cigar. And uh, even here, like, we had a box of Punch that were just in the humidor for like two years, didn't even know about them. And then, you know, asked one of the regulars here, is like, hey, you want to split this box? And we bought the whole box, and I still have probably 10 of them left just because I don't want to, I don't want to smoke them. Yeah. I want to smoke them, but I don't want to smoke them. Um, the Room 101 Johnny Tobacco Knot, love that one. Oh, I miss that cigar. I, know. It's so, I, I hate that it's not around anymore, but it was, you know, that, that one to me was just, Everything about it is kind of like, you know, the sexiness of this Julius Caesar that Johnny had the same thing. The box, the, 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 the shiny gloss black with that bronze chrome and the emblem of the, you know, the astronaut holding the tobacco leaf with a shovel. I mean, just everything about that is just top notch. Um, and then fifth one, um, the Julius Caesar, but with the slash of another diamond crown, the uh, maximum number five. Love, love that one. That's probably my favorite Maduro. It's a Maximus number five. Yeah. Yeah, that one is good. Yeah. So it's a, it's a revolving door yeah. of cigars. You know, I have, I prefer, I, I really like smaller boutique companies. Um, you know, I, you throw in Roma Craft is in there all the time too. Um, but I, I personally like smaller cigars. Um, so like the Prince of Bay size, even if we're, even if I'm smoking uh, Tatawahe, I like the uh, Petite Cazadores. I just like smaller, smaller smokes. Um, yeah, actually, I, I, yeah, I just got onto those. I had the Cracker Crumb for the first time last week. <laughs> that thing was ridiculous. I could not believe <laughs> it's been in there for a couple months now, and I've just always passed over them because it was a five pack. You know, whatever. Finally got one, and I was like, oh my god, yeah. cannot believe I haven't smoked this yet. I would say right now that Latelier version yeah the traveler traveler that's in my top five right now oh that thing I mean, is I'm, yeah i'm smoking those things i smoke like i smoked yeah i smoked one whole pack in two days i mean it was <laughs> it was so good i mean i i love i love that one but i just i prefer stronger uh robust cigars i like real i like pepper bombs something that's like a, a jalapeno the whole way through i just really like that something that grabs you by the throat um, doesn't let go, but even like touching back on this Julius, it's robust, but smooth. 
It's it, it has it has the the punch that you're that you want there, but it, like it pets you at the end just because it's not too hard, but it's just just it's like the uh, the Sour Patch Kids commercials. <laughs> yeah, you know, sour pretty much. Yeah, sweet at the end. Yeah, I mean this is you know I mean not just because we're just smoking it tonight you know for what we're smoking, but this is I mean this is one of my top five. It, it would probably honestly it's probably my top three. I don't know what my top yeah. three is, but it's it's in there. What about yours? Um, so I'm kind of similar. Mine changes a lot. Um, but most often the Tatawahe Kahonu 2012 in both the Broadleaf and the Sumatra are in there. Uh, the Julius Caesar's up there. The Perdomo 20th Maduro um, is one I smoke a ton of. A lot of the Latelier stuff I smoke a bunch of. Romacraft I love. But yeah, it, it kind of changes constantly. And so we, we've touched on this before. I'm, I don't really like that question, you know, of your favorite cigar, but we get asked that so often. We try to kind of, you know, keep a list of, of cigars that are in that. Um, and the question we like more, um, and Aaron and I talked about on the last episode, is uh, what's your most memorable cigar, Brandon? Oh, yeah. That's a good question. I like that. Because even in sitting here listening to you guys talk, I want to jump in here and be like, well, I forgot about yeah. the La Roma de Cuba Noblesse. <laughs> I know. That's in my top five for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The chapter one. The LFD chapter one. See, I forgot that. You know, The, the Lenox or La Vocada. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many great yeah. cigars that we just love. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's so hard to say top five, you know, but if I say a cigar is in my top five, that's kind of like saying this cigar is really good, even though I probably got 20 in my top five. Well, and, it, and it's our job to, <laughs> you know, smoke everything that comes in through the door just so we know what it is. So we're, we know, we're, we're blessed to be able to have, you know, so many cigars at our disposal to smoke. But when there's something that's really good, you know, we, we definitely hone in on that one for a time being. And then something new comes in. I'm really liking that. But but those ones that are always, you know, in the humidor for me, that's what these are. Other than like the room on a one, you know, the Johnny, I can't find those anywhere. Yeah, anymore. when I started the shop and we started carrying the Perdomo 20th, that was my favorite cigar. The Sun Grown and the Maduro both. I just smoked it like crazy. And you'll notice in a lot of the ones that I talked about, I like box press cigars. For whatever reason, most of my cigars that I really like are box pressed. And I just, it's comfortable. I like it. This one's not. And that Noblesse is not. And I don't care if it is or not, but something about it I really enjoy. But that promo has kind of that soft box press to it. But now I've moved away from that, you know. It, and I like the 12-year double-edged vintage in the Connecticut instead of the 20th in the Maduro, you know. So well, it's like my favorite Perdomo is the small batch. And that's way out there on the left yeah, field that's, for that's what totally I like. Yeah, I mean, what you normally like. I mean, it's just I, everything about that one I love. But that's, I, you know, like you were saying, the 20th Maduro, you know, that was in your top. To me, that's not even in mine because my favorite Perdomo is the, you know, the buttery, creamy, light one of yeah. the small batch. So yeah. that's just, that's my odd one. So my most memorable yeah, back, cigar. Yeah, back to it since we yeah. keep jumping off track. <laughs> my most memorable, memorable cigar is uh, the one I smoked on my honeymoon. And, and it's really, is that what it is, memorable or favorite? favorite your your most memorable most memorable memorable i just want to make sure i'm saying it right so and that's what i think is is cool a lot of the cigars that i really like it's because there there's some experience associated with it that makes it that much better i mean we've all been out camping or fishing or sitting on our deck or patio and the weather's just perfect and you got a fire or the sun's setting or you're waking up early uh if you're that kind of person um that wakes up early (laughs) that's not you then you know and, and watch the sun come up there's just these experiences that all of a sudden make a cigar, like it gives it an extra five rating points or whatever, yeah. you know, it's just amazing. And so the most amazing experience I've had smoking a cigar was on my honeymoon. And it was cool because I was newer into cigars. This is 12 years ago that I got married. And so I've been smoking cigars for 17 years. Uh, so I've been smoking for five years and I'm the type that just, dives right off the deep end when I get into something. Like, I, I don't just ease into something. I just go nuts. Like Stephen Bowling, you know, he just <laughs> went nuts. And me and fishing, you know, like I just went crazy. Aaron with tattoos. You know, <laughs> we, we don't just ease into stuff. You know, if we get a hobby, like we get super passionate yeah. about it. And so I was just like going crazy about cigars. Back then we didn't have, you know, this is seven, 15, 17 years ago. Message boards were the thing on online, right. you know. And so that's how you – that's how – you know, if you lived in Arkansas, 
That's how you were kept up with the cigar culture and community across the country or the world. And so I had access to these cigars, these little boutique companies like Tatawahe and my father 15 years ago, you know, were just coming on the scene. Uh, and so you had access to these things. And so I tried to get this amazing list of cigars for my honeymoon from people all over the country. And so I'll, I'll never forget, I went out on a quest to find a Davidoff Cuban from the year I was born um, and find a, a, a Arturo Fuente Forbidden X, which was a little harder to come by, you know, 12 years ago than they are today. Um, and got some really amazing, you know, unicorn style uh, cigars and I did air quotes for y'all that are listening because um, <laughs> I'm like nobody could see that except Aaron and Steve but <laughs> I forgot to find these cigars that you just couldn't get you know some like limited release cigars that, that haven't been made in five years I, I had some Opus X that were over 10 years old and so that whole experience was my favorite cigar but the one that was the best was that Davidoff Cuban from the year I was born laying in a hammock on the cabin that we rented just laying there smoking the cigar thinking this tobacco is as old as me and like just such a great the weather everything was you know you're just newlywed you're just married you're just in love and everything is great and i still am um but like it was just such a great experience that that cigar just like transcended everything that i had experienced with a cigar you know and every one of those, I remember it because I laugh at it now because every one of those cigars is like the best cigar I ever had, you know. And who knows if it was just the experience or if the cigars were amazing um, or what, but it was it was awesome. And, and I, I think that has helped like shape my love for the cigar community is that most of my life experiences that were amazing and that I remember so well and they were so positively burned into my memory relate around cigars, you know. Not too much longer after that, our whole family got to go out on a float trip, which I'm sure all of you guys know that getting, I have three sisters, they're all married with kids and, you know, my parents. So to get all of us together to go on a float trip or something is tough. You know, we don't get together as a family um, that often to go do something fun. And so we all went on a float trip uh, on the Buffalo River and I took a bunch of cigars. And now my brother-in-laws and my dad didn't smoke cigars. And so I passed out all these cigars to them while we were smoking. Uh, and at the time, I was smoking Sancho Panza Double Maduro La Mancha. You could buy them for $40 a box. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget that. And uh, Florida Oliva, Connecticut's the milder ones. And so I passed these cigars out to my dad and my brother-in-laws. We're canoeing down the Buffalo River, catching fish, just like perfect. Life is good. And that experience got all of them smoking cigars. Yeah. You know, and now my dad and, you know, my brother-in-laws, they smoke cigars all the time and they love it. And like that experience, because it made such an impact on them and me, you know, it just grew their love for the cigar culture, you know, which is just amazing. So you're just playing that long con, get yep. them, get them going on cigars. Like I'm going to open up a shop now. Now you can come buy stuff for me. Uh, <laughs> it's cost me a lot more money than I've made. Yeah. I'm sure you of that. <laughs> All right, well, we've got... Um, oh, wait, I got... What, what, who's your favorite employee? Oh, no, no, no. Let's not go there. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> I really... I mean, I, I would never answer that question. You, 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 you can, because... You, and I've told everybody here this and, and a lot of the customers because everybody that comes in the shop has their favorite employee, and it's always somebody different. You know, that's yeah. what's so crazy is you guys are all different, completely different. Oh, yeah. And now you're great guys at heart. And you love people and you want to, you know, interact and get to know them on a personal level, not just superficial. And so that's what makes it special. But all your personalities and the way you go about life is different. And so all these different customers, they relate to one of you better than the others. Yeah. And I, it's funny because they come in all the time and they're like, oh, man, Steve is great. He's just great. You know, I love Steve. You got such a great employee there. And then somebody else come in and tell me how great Aaron is. And then somebody comes in and tell me how great Doug is, you know. And so – it's just wild. Trevor that, gets left out. No, Michael too. I just didn't want to keep rambling on. But it's crazy how everybody's personality comes out and it re resonates with different people more so, you know, and it, it's, well, and I it's, think it's such, so great that there's such diversity uh, with how you guys relate to the customers. And you can really tell too, like whenever we have to, sh you know, switch a shift or whatever, and I work for Doug, say, a Saturday morning or a Wednesday night or something, and 
you know, I have somebody comes in who I don't know, but they're a regular at that time and they're not used to seeing me. And I'm like, Doug. Yeah. Like, where's Doug? Like, well, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Not so bad. Yeah. You might like me. (laughs) It's like, I look scary. I'm not scary. All right. So, um, there's been a couple of big things going on in, uh, uh, TV and movies. Um, so the new Avengers Endgame released, um, and they are just crushing box office numbers. It's been out for two days at this point, um, and they did $1.21 billion. And tr- so we're going to go tomorrow to see it. Yeah. Try, I mean, working and doing stuff on the internet and talking to people and not, not having anything spoilers, spoiled yeah. is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. I mean, even at, at, the, uh, at the gym I go to. Um, Saturday morning we had our kettlebell class and the you know instructor was like talking about this so I'm in the back corner like nah, 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 nah. I'm just like I don't want to hear it I don't want to hear it and then even today at the shop you know people were talking about yeah. it and, you know I was like ah stop I was like I'm seeing it tomorrow after that we can talk yeah all you want about it you know Brent are you into the Marvel movies I I am but I have been so out of the loop um over the last couple of weeks, I know everybody's like, don't spoil it for me, but I haven't kept up with anything. So I don't know anything going yeah. in, which is great. Uh, but yeah, I've loved the movies, how it is all going to play out in the end. To me, it's not something I like think have thought about and I'm excited to go see it and I will. Uh, but I really haven't kept up with anything, which is nice because I don't have to worry about accidentally seeing something that's going to yeah. make me upset. You know, when I go watch the movie and I, th- well, I think we're both prepared to, not be heartbroken because you know it's a it's a comic book yeah but still i mean you're gonna lose characters you're gonna something something is gonna happen to somebody who we care about in that universe realm yeah that you know we're kind of preparing ourselves for like not everybody's gonna make it out alive yeah kind of thing so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see you know what goes on yeah and then the other one is uh game of thrones uh the final season is is airing now and um that's another one, man. You you just got to be prepared to lose yeah. people. I know you, you, Brandon. You don't really do Game of Thrones, right? I have never seen a single episode. Oh, yeah. I'm like anti Game of Thrones. It's like now become a badge of honor. Yeah, it's so funny. Last Sunday or whenever it was coming out, that was starting. Everybody, that's all it that was filling up my social media feed. Yeah. That's all that people were talking about. And I'm like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I saw a uh, a meme on Facebook, and it was like tomorrow starts when all the uh, People get to say, you know, I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. And it was like, if you're a vegan and don't watch Game of Thrones, which one do you bring up first? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, so it's, it's airing tonight. We're recording yep. tonight. Yep. When we leave here, we're going to have to go, go and home watch and watch it tonight so you don't get anything yep. ruined. And tonight's the hour and a half long episode. Yeah, this is the big battle. Um, so. so it's going to be a, a pretty big deal. Um, I, I'm 89 pre- minutes or something like that. I'm yes. I'm fully prepared to be punched in the gut. Yeah. Because something is going to happen to somebody. You, you come, a, you know, attached to these characters and it's crazy, but you know, it just happens. Yeah. But I'm fully prepared that one of my favorite is not going to, you know, see the very end. Yeah. But with, but you know, if you watch game of Thrones, you know, they don't pull punches. I mean, when they kill off oh, yeah. you know, one of the main characters in the first season, that's yeah. when I realized, oh, they they wrote a different set of rules. Yeah. They don't care <laughs> about who your favorite is. Not everybody. This isn't going to have a happy ending kind of thing. Yeah, so they broke some more records, too. Um, so the season premiere, uh, season eight premiere, had uh, 17.4 million people that watched it. So the previous record was their... Uh, the last episode of season seven was 16.9 million. So the, it's it's becoming out of control, and it's something that HBO is really struggling with because they're trying to figure out what's the next show that everybody's going to get hooked on because they're going to lose a ton yeah, of money yeah. if people oh. start canceling their HBO subscriptions. Oh, yeah, I mean, and I think that's what they're wanting Westworld to become. Yeah. It just hasn't picked up enough, but that's why yet. they're going to do a a prequel to this, like all about the, you know, just the Westeros and, you know, whatever else, you know, out there in the realm. But like, even on illegal downloads, they set a record in the opening night of season eight of illegal downloads. That just shows you how big it is. And it's just, I mean, 
it's crazy. There's a bunch of people up at the sh- up here at the shop that when it happens, we can't wait to come up here and talk about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know the following the following week and everything. So yeah, it I can't is wait unreal to, to listen to you guys so I can keep up with it. In some way. <laughs> you, you're living just vicariously through us. Yeah, you know? like, oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> that one girl, she's evil. It's funny. Uh, so Doug and his wife, um, they started watching it before I did. I I kind of caught up on the the streaming service and and caught up to this season but uh so they, they started afterwards they got onto it on dvds i've been on it since day one on hbo started. yeah yeah but um it's hilarious they call it boobs and Bo- dragons boobs and dragons yeah so <laughs> that's what i call it too i got it from i got it from doug uh, I, me I gotta, too i gotta watch boobs and dragons tonight <laughs> and there's been plenty of uh plenty of all yeah you know i am glad they kind of toned it down though after like the uh what was it started the third season um, a lot of the sex scenes kind of drew back a little bit. There was some restructuring, some contracts. Yeah. Um, you know, as people get more famous, they don't want to do the nude scenes, which I don't blame them at all. No, I will say last week was a little. We're not going to spoil anything. No. We're not, we're not going to talk about it, Aaron. <laughs> no, nope, we're not going to spoil it because people haven't seen it yet. So They need to watch it. Well, we have uh, a couple of customers. watching it. We have a couple of customers that are waiting until the whole thing's over so that they can watch it all at once. Um, cause they don't like waiting and for see, the episodes. And that's what sucks. There's only counting this episode tonight. There's yeah. four left, four yeah, left. I think so. Yeah. Because there's, I think it's six this season. What are we going to do with our lives? I don't know. We're going to have to find something else to talk about. All right. Let's touch back on the cigar. We're, uh, we're starting to get into that final third of the cigar. Brandon, yeah, I'm, I'm about to take the band off. Brandon, what do I you think? I just took the band off. I spoke a little quicker than, well, we're about the same. Yeah. Y'all been talking more. Uh, it's fantastic. I think what's so great about this is just the consistency all the way through. You know, some cigars, as you get down towards the end, they start getting real harsh or they start getting really strong or, you know, the way that I smoke them, sometimes they get a little hard to smoke because um, I'm a wet smoker. Uh, is that the way you could say that? <laughs> it's a slobbery cigar. Yeah. I mean, the end of my cigar looks pretty gnarly by the time I'm done with it, usually. Beat up and chewed. Yeah, because I just always have it in my mouth. You know, I'm not like taking it out. And laying it on the ashtray and, and then only picking it up when I puff. It's just always there because I usually always just have a cigar. Um, but, but this cigar is just great all the way through. And yeah, It's got such a smooth finish, too. Um, and the, the pepper doesn't really ramp back up um, on the end. It, it just it comes off a little bit of sweetness to it with that cocoa um, and, and the leathery flavor is still there. So a, little, a little coffee. A little bit of nuttiness now that I'm starting to pick up. So um, I absolutely love it. All right. We're going to do our final deal here. Yeah. All right. Time for, which I hope is you know going to be everybody else's one of favorite things, um, a game we're doing, Million Dollars but It's from the Rooster Teeth Productions, like I said before, one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah. It's a great, uh, everything they do is just hilarious. Um, great shows, great games, great everything. We're excited to have your input on this one, Brandon. I don't know what it is yet either. So, so. I, have, I, have, I have two tonight. Um, so this is a game. You get a scenario, and you get something that happens, and then you choose: will you take the money or not? Plain so you, yeah. So to get the money, you got to do you the have thing, to do it. whatever. Yep. Yeah. So or you can say no thanks. Yep. So first one is million dollars, but every time you brush your teeth, random objects stick to you. For how long? Like only while you're brushing your teeth? I would say yeah, while you're brushing your teeth. Give me a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's so <laughs> worth it. That's, that's not a hard one. But I, I don't know if it means, like, I would say probably just, like, uh, yeah, probably while you're brushing your teeth. Well, even if it stuck to you for just, like, a day, yeah. you know, I mean, so, that wouldn't be that bad. You just have a random item stuck or, to you. Or, you, or you just wouldn't brush your teeth as much. In a bathroom. Yeah. So I there's mean, some sharp things in there. There's some, like, plungers or toilet bowl cleaners that I wouldn't want touching <laughs> me. Yeah. Because so you, are, you, you, are, you, don't, you and gerbs don't get along. Well, if you're going to put my business out there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, and it's funny you wouldn't look at me and think that the germs freak me out, but they do. So I, so I straight razor shave. I mean, imagine just like a right. straight oh, razor coming yeah. <laughs> sticking to me. Then, well, where's it going to stick razor? to you? You know, you got to think about that too. Yeah. Well, and, and you, looking at my beard, you don't think I'd straight <laughs> shave? Anyway. When's the last time you used a straight razor? <laughs> I have like that little patch just right by, right underneath the eye. I got to take care. Of. <laughs> all right, so I, I knew that one was going to be. We'll all take the money on that one. Yeah, we'd all take that. We'll all take it. Um, that's why I had two. This one. It, this one goes on for kind of like with Marvel and Game okay. of Thrones right now. Million dollars, but every time you send an email, an upcoming movie, show, or book that you really want to see gets spoiled. Oh, man. So and I'm going to say this one is forever. Until you die. Uh, 
You know, it seems like a very minimal thing. But it would, it's, it would be such a pain in the ass. So here's the thing. Yeah, you will no longer find enjoyment in any type of TV, reading, movies, mm-hmm. music. Um, so you lose all those interests because of that, right? So I, th- I feel like that would... It would sour. Yeah, it would sour, definitely. And it, and it would cause some depression, I feel like, at some point. Yeah, because you have no entertainment. Because everybody else is amped up, ready to go right. see... Avengers, what's going to happen? And you like you're walking in yeah. the, through the oh, door, or you, you send an email on your phone, walking in there, and some you know dickhole is going through like, oh, did you see? And I'm like, oh, it's like, am I the only one that heard that? Uh, I don't, I don't think I could do that because I like well, too much stuff. But I mean, how hard would it be to stop emailing? You know, for a bit, uh, the business it, that yeah. would be impossible, right? But if you don't, if you don't send emails for your job, it wouldn't be that hard. For me, I send multiple emails a day, so that wouldn't work. So it wouldn't be that big of a deal for you. Spoilers a week. That's a lot. I mean, you don't have five shows every week. That's well, you just like uh, you write your email to every single person (laughs) and then just send it out. You know, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) one email a week. And it's weird because I thought for sure I'd not take the million dollars on these questions because to me, like my happiness in life is worth way more than a million dollars or like my comfort or whatever. But I don't really get wrapped up in, in shows and stuff. Yeah. I don't really watch TV. Like, you know, that's why I don't know about Game of Thrones, you know? And so for me, I don't, it probably wouldn't be that big of a deal because I'll go watch movies for entertainment, but I don't get wrapped up in yeah. all the stuff. Like, even when we went and saw that. Star Wars, you yeah. know, like I had to get some explanation and I had to do a little <laughs> research on them before we went and watched them when they started back, you know, because they're so long in between them. I watch all the movies and I'm, I, I like it. But I don't get wrapped up in all the the storylines. So, so what I'll, all was I'll it? Take the million bucks. TV, movie, or book? Um, an upcoming movie, show, and book that you want to see or read is spoiled for you. Yeah. So pretty much any form of entertainment. It's probably still worth it. Um, I mean, it would suck because you'd have nothing to look forward to as far as like sitting down and and watching. Uh, movie wise, but you know, it, it's probably still worth a million dollars for that because. I mean, it, that, it's not that big a deal. No. A lot of the TV I watch is like sports, right? So would it ruin... Think about that. Like, oh, would it, oh, would you, you know who won the Masters before it happened? I would, I mean, I how would, would you know that, though? I would, that's yeah, impossible. I would assume like you can't... You, you can't do it with live. You, you, you recorded it, and you yeah. won't be able to see it. And then... Yeah. yeah not like you're like, oh, I'm going to... Who's going to win the World Series? Oh, yeah. that one? Oh, okay, yeah. I'm go <laughs> I'll put, take that, because then I'll put... Yeah, put a bunch of money put a bunch on Tiger. Money, win yeah. the Masters. See, I don't think that would work. I won a million bucks. Put, put some money on the Cubbies. Yeah, they pulled Tiger off of uh, the betting boards in Vegas. Yeah, You're not allowed to bet anymore. on Tiger anymore. So that's See, been that, a long time. Uh, interview they did. I listened to it today with his caddy. Mm-mm. That was pretty neat. Joe Lacava. Yeah, he was talking about you know just the experience at the Masters and now yeah. ramping up to this and all the pressure that's that's on him. But he's saying that, which we wouldn't think that, but he thinks that. Tiger, a lot of the pressure's off Tiger because that he puts on himself. And I think he's been so successful for so long that the outside pressure probably doesn't influence him as much. He probably knows how to shield himself from that now that he's won. You know, I think that was where all the pressure was. Am I going to be able to win another one? I want to prove all these people wrong. I want to go out there and show them that I still got it. Now that he's done it, I don't think he's the, – the caddy was saying that, you know, there's not as much pressure on Tiger yeah. to go out. And he, he said, you know, another thing is Tiger is great to be around on the golf course. Like, he's a great guy. He loves to have fun. He's not super intense. But he can't – because there's so much scrutiny on him, he has to be so constrained and confined yeah. that he has this persona mm-hmm. that you see. But if you were just – he just wants to be a normal guy out there having fun on yeah. the golf course. You know, and well, you, well, and you say that because you know I'm not a golf guy. I don't watch it when, unless I have to when I'm up here. But like you, you see him as like the shark. You know, he's yeah. the aggressive one. But I saw a video where just a fan wore a T-shirt that had his mugshot on it when yeah. he got arrested. And you know, he's walking by. He doesn't make eye contact with him, but he laughs. Oh yeah. So he yeah. know he saw it. So oh, like yeah. it was like okay, he's human. <laughs> yeah. He he sees the humor in that. So it kind of made it kind of brought it to me a little bit. Like oh, okay, he's not this robotic you know, character that's out there just to win. You know, he has this, you know, fun side, I guess. Well, and that's kind of changed over the years. Um, So Hank Haney put a book out after – so he was with – Hank Haney was his second coach after he was a pro, and and they had an odd relationship, and and they were together for a few years. 
Um, but he put a book out about his time with Tiger, um, and, and during that period, that's when he was winning a ton, right? So um, there, there's a part in there where he's talking about Tiger, like when he's practicing, he eats these popsicles. And uh, so Tiger's practicing, and, and he's kind of eating this popsicle, and, and Hank Haney goes over to him and asks for a popsicle, and he's like, no, like I'm practicing, leave me alone. Um, and so it was like this weird kind of relationship after that. And they never really were necessarily friends, which, you know, that may be part of the professional relationship that he wanted to keep intact. I don't know, but he definitely has become more of a a fun personality since, you know, he's had kids and, and kind of gone through the whole, uh, trial and tribulation that he he went through. He's had his whole, all his dirty laundry. Yeah. He got brought back down to earth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that was cool, the gum. You know, he was chewing the gum. And yeah. I didn't even realize it when he was playing, but this became a huge thing. It was trending on Twitter. Twitter, And so they asked him about the gum. And he said, it's funny. Everybody's asking me about the gum. He said, of course I saw the gum. I was standing a foot away from him. But I have no idea why he was chewing the gum. I didn't know he was going to chew the gum. I don't know what kind of gum it is. And I'm not going to ask him about the gum. <laughs> and, he's, and the guy said, you know, he knows him pretty well. He said, I believe him. You know, he, I believe he's going to tell us the truth. And the guy said, I have no idea where the gum came from, why he was chewing it, what it is, and I'm not going to ask him about it. So we'll yeah. see if it happens next time. But yeah. start watching out for the gum. Tiger chewing gum was was trending <laughs> globally, you know. And I'm like, wow, must have been a slow Twitter day. Well, I mean, anything well, they can get to with win Tiger, the Masters, you yeah. know, some kind of yeah. special gum. Everybody. That's right. And if I was Trident or one of these people, oh, I'd be yeah. calling him immediately. Was that my gum? <laughs> yeah. No, like, I want to sponsor you. It doesn't matter if it was my gum or not. Yeah, For we're going to switch to this gum. But want you be like some gum, like, you know, like a zebra stripe or something. You know, some <laughs> big off, league chew. Some <laughs> off big the, league chew. Big league chew would be awesome. Some <laughs> off the wall stuff. Well, it's like, big you know. Big league chew scales, you know, sales skyrocket. <laughs> How is big league chew still a thing? Like, I chewed it when I was young. And I just went and bought a pack it, a yo, couple weeks oh, yeah. ago. I saw it. I was like, I need a pack of Big League Chew. Oh, it's the worst gum, though. You can eat that whole pack in five minutes. I know. Like, gone. But <laughs> it like disintegrates. It, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you just want it. It's so great. I, I mean, it's just, you know, it's the best gum for five minutes. And yeah. Then it, and then it's gone. But, you know, like we all grew up on it. Yeah. So. I was in school one time, and I had a uh, piece of Juicy Fruit. We were taking a, a standardized test. So it's like an hour and a half or two hour long test, right? And uh, I didn't really think about it. I'm just chewing this gum, chewing the gum. And, of course, Juicy Fruit loses its flavor after, you know, two minutes. But it was just something to take my mind off taking this test. And uh, all of a sudden, it, it just, like, turns into sand in my mouth. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, this is the worst experience I've ever had with gum. And it's in the middle of a test, so I can't, like, get up and go to the bathroom and get a drink of water. So I just have to, like, chew on this sand for two minutes until I could finally swallow it. Um, and it was awful. So I'm not a huge gum guy. So there's a psychology paper uh, that I read that whenever you do something you're studying or preparing for something, chew gum. Yeah. And then when it comes to do whatever you're training for, chew that chew gum again. Yeah, it's and a it, stimulant. And it all comes back to you and mm-hmm. everything. So maybe that's what Tiger was doing. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Have you guys ever fallen asleep with a piece of gum in your mouth? <laughs> no. And then it ended up in your hair? It's the worst. <laughs> I have done that, but like. You wake up in the morning in your mouth, and it's like that. It just like disintegrates oh, overnight, so and you have this like pasty gum in your Talk mouth. Talk about cotton mouth. Yeah, it's awful. Well, then if you go brush your teeth, something will stick to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next week um, we are going to be smoking the Perdomo Double Aged Connecticut. Um, since Brandon said it's one of his favorites, we're going to go ahead and, and do it as a feature on the next episode. Um, so if you guys get a chance between now and then. Uh, stop into your local brick and mortar shop, um, or here at West End Cigars, we've got them um, in multiple sizes. So um, go out, and get you one, try it, see what you think. Um, send us a message on uh, social media. Uh, we've got Facebook. Yeah, so that is for Instagram. It's just the Straight Cut, all one word. Um, Facebook, the Straight Cut Podcast, or you can just search the Straight Cut, um, and it'll come up through that. And our like our shops Instagram is West End Cigar. Yeah, again, on Facebook, um, we've got everything for West End Cigars. Brandon, do you have, um, is all your social media stuff just through the shop, or do you have a separate deal on uh, Instagram or Twitter or anything? Nope. Just no, through the shop? I'm, I've never really, you know, being in law enforcement, you kind of yeah. become a secretive, you know, person, and that just kind of has become who I am, really, and I don't really engage on social media a lot. I, I wish I did more, uh, but I just, I don't. And so, yeah, everything I do is... 
uh, if I'm on social media, it's all uh, the Weston Cigars. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, I'm on Facebook. But We want to say thanks for coming. Uh, we appreciate you coming and recording with us. Um, it meant a lot to us to have you as our, our first guest, so uh, we really appreciate you being here. Right, captain of the ship. Yeah, thank you guys for, for having me on for the first one. I mean, this is a special special thing. Uh, I know you guys have put in a ton of work and, and done a ton of these already to prepare, and I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great concept. I love that we're getting to venture out or or spread our wings a little with, with yeah. what we've created here. You know, like we love people. We love the cigar community. We love what it's about. We love all the positive things. And I think in our culture, smoking or tobacco in general just has this negative connotation, but that's not at all what it's like. You right. know, there's so much positive. The people in the cigar culture and the community, they're generous, they're loving, they're kind, they're great, they're educated. I mean, they're great folks. I mean, there's a whole wide spectrum. And so to be able to kind of expand that out, uh, you know, on a bigger stage, I think is a really cool thing. And so I'm excited where this is going. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will see you next week. Later.